It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. On your Wednesday episode of Locked On Raptors, the Toronto Raptors kick off the homestand that will make or break the rest of the season tonight against the Milwaukee Bucks. We will dig into the matchup against the Bucks, a team that played last night that is maybe ripe to be beaten by these Toronto Raptors. We will also dig into questions about the first round pick. Is it available? Should it be available? I'm guessing probably not at this point, but maybe, just maybe, a good run in this homestand could change that. We'll get into all of that and more on today's episode of Locked On Raptors. Thanks for hanging. Oh, like, because when I shot, I expected to make it. So, like, I don't shoot kind of miss. You are Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, what's going on? Welcome to episode number 13, 13 of Locked On Raptors for Wednesday, January the 4th. I am your host, Sean Woodley. We're covering the Toronto Raptors now for nine seasons, spreading toxic positivity around Toronto Raptors fandom for that long. You can find all of my work over at Woodley Sean on Twitter. I am also uh, running the podcast account at Locked On Raptors. You can go check that out, get links to every show. Plus, you can follow, subscribe to, rate, and review the podcast for free on your favorite podcast apps in audio form. We are also on YouTube. Go hit the big red subscribe button over there to support the show. That way, it's so, so appreciated also appreciated our pals at bet online today's show is brought to you by bet online bet online's got you covered this season with more props odds and lines than ever before bet online is where the game starts all right where the podcast starts is with a look at the biggest stretch of the season for the toronto raptors you can't really mince words about it i i think i've been guilty of maybe sort of kicking the can down the road for go time, as it were, for the Raptors, saying, ah, they can figure it out in that stretch of the, of the season. Oh, that stretch of the season will be fine. This is kind of it. The Raptors are 16-21. and 21. They are 12th in the Eastern Conference. They are heading in now to the stretch of schedule that is going to determine what this team does before the deadline, what happens after the deadline, this is a massive stretch. We're going to dig into that in the top part, top part of the show. We're also going to talk in today's show about the first round pick for this season and why I think it's probably off the table. Maybe that's not news to anybody, but I do think maybe there's a world in which future first round picks could still be movable. I will explain that. And also, we're going to take a look at the game against Milwaukee in particular tonight and why 
this really feels like a chance for the Raptors to, like, if you're a serious team, go and beat a team on the second night of a back-to-back that's been struggling big time lately that you have a history of beating. We'll get to all that. But first, let's just kind of set the stakes for the homestand the Raptors have coming up here. It's winnable games, really. It really, really is across the board. You have the Milwaukee Bucks, who are struggling. They won last night. They needed 55 points from Giannis to beat the Wizards. Not really where you want to be, but, you know, they've obviously been quite good for large chunks of the season, but their offense is pretty decrepit at the moment. It's 28th over the last 10 games, uh, and their defense is not much better. 20th over the last 10 games per NBA.com. Like, this is a team that is asking to be beaten That's followed up by a game against the Knicks. The Raptors have performed pretty well against the Knicks this season so far. Of course, Pascal Siakam coming off his 52-point masterclass at MSG the last time these two teams met. That's on Friday. Then on Sunday afternoon, you get the Blazers, who are fine, really? If you go and look at the point differential rankings for the NBA, the Blazers are 14th. Guess who's nestled right next to them at 15th? It's your Toronto Raptors. Obviously, the Blazers have had more success winning actual basketball games this season, but they've had guys in and out of the lineup lately. Jeremy Grant's missed some time, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, Yusuf Nurkic is currently uh, sidelined. Nasir Little's out. Like It's not like the Blazers are this unbeatable behemoth of a Western Conference titan. They're not the Memphis Grizzlies coming into town, and that's followed up by two games against the very, very horrible Charlotte Hornets. If they don't win those games, pack it up, send everybody to the moon. And then you've got the Atlanta Hawks on the 14th of of January. And that game, I mean, that could be a triumphant close to uh, a beautiful run for the Raptors over this homestand, or it could really kind of be the death knell. We'll see. As of right now, though, I I do think, you know, there are certain things you're hoping to see on this homestand, right? First of all, just like... Get some results. We've talked lately about how the Raptors have kind of won games by the skin of their teeth, having to do sort of extraordinary things to get it done. It would be really nice to just like have normal sound process over the course of these six games and actually get some real results out of that process. They've been kind of getting results and sort of slapping process in the face over the last little while here and like a, a bit of a sort of restoring of the basic principles of how this team wants to play. Can they sort of find and rediscover the transition defense that was such a calling card for them to start the season, the half-court defense that was so far superior to what it's been of late? Um, Can they get anything in in the half-court offense rolling? Can they find little sort of pet sets that work? There have been some positive signs there, particularly with Scotty Barnes of late. Gary Trent Jr. obviously has been a massive boost to, to how things have gone. You know, they have to go at least four and two in this stretch. You would prefer five and one or six and oh, which I don't think is crazy, even though this Raptors team has not won more than two games in a row all season long. You know, you keep on holding out hope, I suppose. But really, this is kind of it. If they don't go at least four and two on this homestand, I think some really serious questions are going to be asked. You're just going to be too far in the red to really sort of talk yourself into making a a big comeback. If you can't go on a run now where you have winnable games at home, there's no back-to-backs. It's every other day you kind of get into the rhythm and and cadence of game, practice, game, practice. You know, this is a helpful thing for teams. If you can't go on a run now, it's not happening this season. And so this is really kind of the last stand. What's at stake? I mean, if the Raptors don't go at least 4-2 and two in this stretch, if they don't flirt with 5-1, and one, if they don't look good and look like a serious basketball team, 
then I, I think we're going to maybe kind of see the Fred Van Vliet question become the only question. And it's not going to be a matter of will he get traded or, or if he gets traded. It's when will he get traded and for what? And that just kind of feels like the natural course. If you feel like there's not that much left this season to really play for, if you feel like you know, the, the, there's just like the, the ceiling is not high enough to risk the idea of either losing Fred for nothing in the offseason or giving Fred a contract you're not comfortable with in the offseason, then I feel like it's going to come to a head. And before the deadline next month, we just might see the end of the Fred Van Vliet era in Toronto. That's like pretty heavy stuff for that to be the stakes of a homestand. But I don't think it's all that crazy to suggest that the results of these next six games are going to determine whether Fred Van Vliet, one of probably the 10 greatest Raptors of all time, not even probably, I think almost certainly one of the 10 greatest Raptors of all time, is going to be on the team a month from now. That is heavy. That is a lot. And, you know, I think the team seems to be, from the reporting at a practice yesterday, from the way they've talked to the sort of assembled media and all that, it sounds as though they kind of recognize that, like, this is kind of it. Uh, there's an urgency, it seems, kind of seeping from the quotes that you see. Um, Pascal Siakam, kind of chief among them. That is good, I guess, to see that they think it's important to win these basketball games. Um, but really, like, I, as I kind of said up the top, I've been the toxically positive person around this Toronto Raptors team, I think, all season long. I think there's still reason to believe there's a good team in here, but if they can't pull it out where the circumstances and situation is just begging for them to pull it out, then maybe there's just a sort of reckoning to be had and maybe they're just not that good. Um, this is kind of the last chance to really kind of see them come and do the thing that they're supposed to do, which is be a pretty good team. These are winnable games. It's, it's not crazy to suggest that this is like the biggest stretch of basketball the Raptors have played in many years you know that the year after the title obviously that was such a sort of found money season of course they played playoff games those are key games but regular season wise that was never a stressful season that they were just kind of fun the vibes were off the charts and it was incredible the Tampa season there was no meaningful basketball whatsoever to be played um, you know, last season, it was very much just like happy-go-lucky. Everyone's just enjoying the vibes and winning games. Surprisingly, this is, you know, really, I think since the season where Kawhi was on the Raptors and, you know, they were going through those sort of tr troubles in the middle of the season, um, you know, trying to figure out how to piece those two sides of the team, the Kawhi side and the rest of the team kind of together and stitch it all together. You know, this is the biggest stretch since then, maybe even since before that. It, it really, it's kind of nice to have these stakes, I suppose, to kind of brighten up what is a horrible month in January, and it gives you some sort of purpose to watching these games. But certainly, if the Raptors can't find some sort of identity, find some sort of reclamation of what they're supposed to be as a team, the season's going to be in really dire straits, and there'll be bigger questions to ask beyond that. We're going to come back on the other side and get into a big question I think is kind of hanging over all of this, and that's whether the Raptors are going to go make a trade. I've been pretty vocal in saying that, you know, the holes on this team, they're relatively addressable. There are things that if you did plug them, I feel like the team might take off, but what is the cost of that? And usually the cost when it comes to any sort of upgrade trade is first round pick. We're going to get into the Raptors first round pick this season, their first round picks beyond as well, and dig into, you know, why I think regardless of what happens in this next stretch, 
this year's pick has got to be off the table. And it pains me to say that as a person who loves to trade first-round picks, who generally thinks first-round picks are a little overvalued, uh, we're going to get on the other side into why I think this year's first should officially, squarely be tucked into the drawer, no longer put into any sort of trade conversations. We'll get to that in just one second. Before we do that, however, should tell you about our dear friends over at Bet Online. The number one place for your sports betting odds, lines, info, news, and analysis all season long. You can get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there. You got pro and college football, you got the NBA, the WNBA, women's college basketball. It's all there. And, you know, beyond that, you have soccer overseas, you've got weird niche sports like handball you can go and dabble with as well over on Bet Online. Find a sport you're interested in. Maybe it's a way for you to get back into the Premier League, for example. The World Cup's over, you got the soccer fever, you want to throw yourself into footy. Maybe throwing some money down in these games is the way to do it, but you don't want to do it without being the informed wagerer. That's why Bet Online exists to make you the informed wagerer so you can make the bets that are going to actually cash as opposed to just throwing your money down on, like, uh, I don't know, Tottenham Hotspur and hoping they win because that's not a thing they do, baby. Either way, they're the fastest and easiest way to get your betting info. Head to the website today. Your usual mobile device to learn more. Bet Online is where the game starts. <laughs> Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com podcast. Easier said, done. All right, we continue on here with your first listen of the day, digging into the homestand that lies ahead, the stakes of what lies ahead, and also the trade you know, possibilities, the trade chips the Raptors have and may want to put on the table at some point this season. Again, most of the season, I've been saying, I think the first round pick this year should be on the table because this team is worth trying to salvage something with. Pascal Siakam is having... An unbelievable season. OG Ananobi is having an all-defense level season. You know, you're starting to see Gary Trent Jr. coming along and really, really showing out as well. You know, his sort of fate is also sort of tied, I think, to this homestand as well, although I'm maybe coming around on the idea of him not getting traded. He seems kind of important and kind of valuable for a team that lacks shooting and lacks young players who you can kind of dream on a little bit. I still am kind of low on Trent's ceiling as a whole because of his playmaking deficiencies, but the dude can bomb away and hit a lot of threes and kind of save your ass in a lot of situations. Um, So I'm coming around on him maybe not being traded by the deadline, but we will get to that another time. When it comes to the first round pick, I think at this point, it's safe to say that should be squarely put off the table, unless there's some sort of big star trade out there, which can't envision happening in season that rarely, really goes down unless there's just like 
usually James Harden agitating for a trade. <laughs> Otherwise, big star trades don't really happen midseason. So I, I don't think that's even something to consider. It's kind of an irrelevant point right now. Um, as far as like other upgrades, you know, I've talked about wanting the Raptors to go after some sort of, you know, package of two players from some distressed team, whether it's Jalen Noel and Nas Reed from the Timberwolves, whether it's, I, I you know, Emmanuel Quickly and Isaiah Hartenstein from the Knicks. You know, there's all sorts of different sort of combos of players that you could go and target. Malik Beasley and you know Kelly Olynyk in, in with the Jazz. Excuse me. All of those guys, all those packages are probably going to require at least a first round pick to go at the door, not to mention the salary to match. And I've been pretty comfortable. I'm usually pretty comfortable offering up first round picks. I, I generally think you know we kind of overvalue the idea of who a first round pick can be, where it usually is going to take a lot of time for mid mid tier first round picks to actually make an impact in the NBA. And I would rather just get a good player in the door now. Maybe that's why I'm not a GM, but I, I think that's maybe sort of a, a generally underused philosophy when it comes to front offices. And, and you know the sort of glorification of first round picks is a lot. That said. This Raptors team could really use an infusion of a first round pick, you know, whether it's ninth, whether it's 15th, I don't think it really matters. I think, you know, that part of the draft, you're kind of, you know, throwing darts at a wall anyway, and you're going to use your own intel, and and I'm not too worried about where the Raptors end up falling in the draft, but I do think they kind of need that pick, whether it's as a trade chip in the offseason or if it's just to add a young player to the mix to kind of get that pipeline going again. You know, you go through what the Raptors did, you win a title. You trade away a lot of stuff, and you know they also lost some guys in free agency for no return, which I also did not get too sort of bent out of shape over because the idea of, well, you got nothing for this guy is a little sort of, I think, dismissive of all the things that a player would have done to give your team value in the years before the trade, besides the point. I don't think you can deal the first round pick this year because the ceiling doesn't feel as high as it did earlier on when I still thought, hey, there's a pathway to a fourth or fifth seed here and a pathway to a second round series. To me right now, the ceiling of this season feels like a first round out. And I know the people out there who are worried about the sort of mucky middle of the NBA will go, oh no, the the first round out, the worst thing in the world. I don't think that's the worst thing in the world, especially when you're a team with upward mobility, which the Raptors still have because they have Scotty Barnes, who was a 21-year-old wonderkind who is putting it together and really finding himself again here in the second in his second season. I, I, this is not a team that's made like other sort of stuck-in-the-middle-ass teams like the Wizards, for example. There are actual pathways to improvement upon what they are doing this year without having to do the full rebuild tank thing that a lot of these other teams kind of have to do just to reset what is a really bad situation. I still think the first-round pick for this year, it, it, you know, it's, it's just important to kind of add into the mix, right? To kind of keep it, you know, the, the pipeline going. You get a decent prospect or maybe a very good prospect. Who's to say? And that's just another guy to add to your mix. Christian Coloco, I feel like he's going to be a player. I, I feel pretty confident about that, even with the struggles and my sort of misgivings with him playing so much this year. I think he's going to be a good player. And, and it does speak to the idea of just adding young players to the mix and sort of looking things out, plotting things out two, three, four years down the road, having some extra guys on rookie deals not the worst thing in the world it's also you know with this season with the ceiling being possibly a first round out kind of at the max whether it's against the nets or the the bucks or whomever in a potential three six or two seven or one eight um you know i still think that's worth pushing for i i firmly believe that even if the raptors are to trade fred van vliet at the deadline or whatever i'm not one of these people who thinks you should just shut it all down and try to lose as many games as possible i really think that's damaging i think there is a negative value to sort of instilling losing habits into your team and i think even if they are to sort of 
reshuffle the decks a little bit, move out a Fred Van Vliet, a Chris Boucher, even a Gary Trent Jr., there's still reason to give your guys plenty of rope to try and, you know, get into the play-in. There's value to being in the play-in. It can be a launching pad for teams, and it has been in the past in very recent history for teams like the Grizzlies and the Pelicans, even the Suns back in the bubble. There's value to making the play-in and having those moments. And also, like, I don't know, it seems like Wolves fans were having a pretty good time in the play-in last year. Um, there's value to get having those sort of flashpoint moments that we can all kind of look back and remember fondly as well. So even though I wouldn't trade the first round pick for this year, I, I still think there you know, is a reason to kind of push forward here. And also I think beyond this year, I would entertain trading the 2024, 2025 picks, 2026, whatever. I would totally entertain moving those picks because, you know, I, I think there's this sort of idea that the deadline has to be about fixing your team for this year. I don't agree with that. I think there's plenty of, you know, stock to the idea of using the trade deadline to not only bolster yourself in a given season, but to also give yourself a sort of head start on the offseason and get yourself ready for the following year. If you can get a guy with contract control, for example, for a couple seasons by using a first-round pick, I don't see the difference using it at the deadline versus using it in the offseason. And if it's the 2024-2025 pick you have on the table, I feel like at that point, you know, the team's kind of more rounding into form. You have the addition of the first-round pick this season. You can talk yourself into those future picks maybe not being all that necessary. And so if there is a deal out there for someone who you either figure you can can re-sign with their bird rights or whatever, you know, I would still kind of have that 2024 pick on the table just, just to see what you can get. I think if you pair that with a Chris Boucher, for example, you protect it top 10 or something, there's definitely something you could pull in terms of a return that could help the team this season. You know, ideally a center would be sweet. Uh, <laughs> and so that's, that's kind of where I'm at as far as like what should be on the table to, to move, you know, in addition to that, like, if they do end up moving Fred Van Vliet, I feel like that's going to be in a deal where it's sort of a consolidation trade for a team. I mentioned the Clippers yesterday. I'm sure there's a couple other teams out there that could sort of send back a couple of lesser players, but who kind of help fill out the roster, maybe address some holes with what they bring as players. And maybe that's the way you kind of balance the scales here, if that's what's going to happen with Fred Van Vliet. I also wonder now if Otto Porter Jr. is on the table. He's got a player option for next season. Uh, and the reports yesterday out of practice, Nick Nurse saying that he's not progressing at all with the dislocated toe. Who knows when the hell we'll see Otto Porter Jr. again. But if you're a contender out there and you're thinking, oh, well, we got to sort of stock up here for the for the playoffs, Otto Porter is not like the worst idea to go and try to add to your team. As much as I'd love to see him play more for the Raptors because he's a cool player, um, you know, maybe there's a world in which a contender says, hey, he's not healthy right now, but we can bank on him for the playoffs. And he was literally starting games in the finals for the finals winning team just six months ago. Maybe that's worth a small asset to sort of, you know, shuffle the decks, a younger player, whatever. Um, you know, it's not going to be a crazy high value. He's been hurt all season. He's barely played, but the contract is favorable and he is a good player when he's in. So, you know, those are kind of the chips you're working with, I think. The the first rounder for this year feels like it's off the table, regardless of what happens. They go 6-0 and on this homestand. I still don't think the ceiling is all that much higher than a sixth seed in the Eastern Conference. And so I don't think you're sort of having your mind changed on the first rounder being available this year. Um, but, you know, as far as, you know, is that 2024 pick available? Is the 2025 pick available? That becomes a little more interesting to me if they go five and one, six and zero oh here, because maybe there is reason to sort of bolster for now and for the future by moving those picks that are a little further out. Obviously, teams are going to want this year's pick, uh, <laughs> but you know that's something that you could haggle protections over and all that stuff, and maybe make it not that valuable anyway. Either way, 
We're going to come back on the other side, take a look at the game against Milwaukee tonight and why this just has to be a game the Raptors come out and, and try to jump on their throats a little bit. Jump on their throats? Squeeze their... I don't know what the freaking uh, analogies I'm looking for here. Either way, uh, that's coming up in just one second. Before we do that, however, just a reminder, Locked on Leafs is your daily podcast on the Toronto Maple Leafs. They lost last night in OT, but they have been racking up the wins so far this year. They're a lot of fun. Austin Matthews just had his 500th career point uh, last night. Fastest Leaf to ever do it. They're a very cool and fun team. Go check out Locked on Leafs with Mike DiStefano and Dave Morissuti every day on your favorite podcast apps and on YouTube. If you're looking for a Toronto team that's winning games right now. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grimly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. All right, let's round it out with a quick look at the game tonight against the Milwaukee Bucks. And again, I'll reiterate, this feels like a game that if you're a serious basketball team with real ambition, with any sort of eye on turning this season around and proving that you're not a disappointment as you have been so far this season... This is a game that you try everything you can do in your power to win and should win. Frankly, the Bucks have not been good of late. They have been worse than the Raptors. If you just go by the numbers of late, they have a minus 6.3 net rating over the last 10 games. They are 28th in offense once again. 28th. I think it's only the Hornets and Rockets who are worst as of right now over the last 10 games. That's bad. You've got... 20th in defense as well. They are not defending with the same vigor they did at the start of the year. Yes, they still have very good defensive players. Brooke Lopez is maybe the best rim protector in the league at the moment. Giannis is Giannis, but they have not defended as a unit very well. Chris Middleton still out of the lineup. Not having him is huge. If this gets into like a half-court slog of a game, I think the Raptors might actually have a shot at having the more potent half-court offense, um, especially if they roll with the small ball look that they started with in the last game for the first time in ages. Um, you know, There's a lot of punch in that lineup when things are rolling right, and uh, maybe that's a, a pathway for them to succeed. They also played in Washington, the Bucks did last night. They needed 55 points from Giannis. They do you a favor by beating Washington, adding another loss to their loss column, a team that is suddenly in the race for the play-in and all of that, um, which, again, you're not going to get me to think that you're not fighting for the play-in this season. That's just not happening. Uh, play-in for what? Uh, play-in because it's fun and because uh, reps are important and high-leverage games are good. Uh, <laughs> that's the answer to the long-ass question, play-in for what? Um, you know, you also, this is a team in the Bucks that the Raptors have beaten up on a lot lately. Five straight wins against Milwaukee. They tend to really bother just the sort of, you know, you don't bother Giannis necessarily. Giannis is still going to get his, but like the Raptors have as many guys 
as possible to throw at Giannis as many as anyone in the league, really. Uh, you know, Precious Achua being back in the lineup, that's massive. He is a huge, huge guy to throw on Giannis and really kind of give you a shot. And, you know, I wonder if he even starts tonight, honestly. Second game back, I know he's winded. I know he was talking yesterday in practice about not being able to drink water. He was so tired and winded after his first stretch in that uh, return from injury. Maybe it's a lot to ask him to sort of take on the Giannis assignment for 20 minutes in his second game back. But that's what Precious Achua does. We saw his defense on display in that Pacers game in little bursts, and it was really exciting. And, you know, he's, he's a guy... He's a Giannis stopper as much as those guys exist. He is, you know, the Raptors version of one for sure. OG obviously has historically had a pretty good time. And this is not a team that's like bombing away right now either. They're 28th in true shooting percentage over the last 10 games as well. They're not hitting their threes. And if you are able to sort of swarm Giannis, force him to give it up, you know, I'm not exactly worried right now about Grayson Allen ruining your life. Drew Holiday's not having himself the greatest shooting season you know, without Chris Middleton, that sort of big outlet when you do send all that attention Giannis's way, who can kind of burn you, is not there. And so I, I do wonder if maybe this is one of those, all right, Giannis, you're going to see the full level of Raptors star killer defense. And you get swarmed, the Raptors rotate on the back end, and hopefully it's good enough for them to get by. Or Grayson Allen hits nine threes, and I, I get, you know, laughed at tomorrow. Uh, <laughs> totally possible, but I really would expect that we kind of see some classic Raptors junk defense in this game in the kind of the best way. And, you know, the way the Bucks have played of late, the way they're, they're sort of missing their, their biggest half-court offensive initiator, that gives me a little bit of hope that this is a game the Raptors can pull out. And it's also worth sort of remembering, like, the Bucks are a team against whom the Raptors have launched good runs of play before. And maybe that doesn't really matter, but a lot of these guys are here from last season, from the season before. Um, you know, they're a team that has beaten the Milwaukee Bucks. Some of these core guys have beaten them in the playoffs. Uh, you know, I feel like there's just like a psychological, you know, there's not maybe an edge, but I don't feel like the Raptors like fear Giannis the way some other teams do. And for good reason. They performed very well. Five again, five straight wins against the Bucks. Last year, two wins in January that really were two of the leapfrog points for the team to go on the run they did to close last year. You know, the, the first of those two games was January 5th, 2022. It's January 4th, 2023 now. Um, you know, it would be kind of poetic if you were able to sort of launch the season into a, a different sort of turning of the corner at the last possible juncture for there, there, there to be a corner to turn. Um, this this feels like a, you know, there's nothing, you know, logical to it. There's no on-court sort of uh, reason to think, well, they've got their goat. They're just going to, you know, every year use the Bucks as their launch pad to success. Even in the Tampa season before things, came, you know, came crashing down when everyone got sick that week or two before, the Bucks were getting smacked by the Raptors twice, if I recall, before things fell off the rails. Um, I think the Raptors were in fourth place at that time. <laughs> and so, like, there's history here of the Raptors kind of having the, the, the Bucks number, especially with the Bucks not playing well. If the Raptors fancy themselves a team at all worth caring about, <laughs> maybe that's harsh. Um, but if they fancy themselves a real basketball team that is able to make a second half run here, they've got to win this game, man. It'll be pretty disappointing if they come out without a victory against a team on the second night of a back-to-back -back that has really, really struggled of late, even though they are one of the heavy hitters of the Eastern Conference. At some point, you know, all season long, I mean, like the turn, the corner is going to be turned. The corner is going to be turned. It's coming soon. This is the, the last chance saloon for turning the corner. And uh, the Bucks are the bartenders. I don't know. Um, either way, we're going to round it out there. Thank you so much for tuning in 
to today's show. We'll be back again tomorrow with Katie Heindel, who was on the sidelines today. She's had a migraine the last like three days, and boy, oh boy, migraines are the absolute worst. So apologies for no Katie Heindel today, but that's the migraine god's fault. She'll be back tomorrow. We'll break down Raptors Bucks, hopefully in a triumphant fashion, as the Raptors have beaten the Bucks for the sixth straight time and continue to have their have their number. If not, uh, man, <laughs> just win, man. Like it's this team is. The, so so maddening to think there's a good team in here maybe i'm just a moron it's totally possible i'm just a giant moron who is sort of just been wooed and swayed by the last nine years of raptors basketball where everything has always ended up okay and i'm just assuming it's going to end up okay again maybe i'm a rube here but uh a win against the bucks tonight would go a long way to potentially dispelling the the, the possibility that i am in fact a rube uh we will talk about it tomorrow whether i'm a rube or not with our friend katie in the meantime go listen to game to game which is a wonderful way to catch up on all the games in the nba from last night it's over the locked in nba youtube channel if you go there it's quick one minute hitters on every game around the league really no better way to keep abreast of what's going around going on around the association all the deets on all the 50 and 60 and 70 point performances we're seeing and so much more You'll hear me on there, too, after Raptors games as well. So go check out Game to Game on the Locked On NBA YouTube channel. And we will talk to you on Thursday with another episode of Locked On Raptors. Bye-bye. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.